Blog Talk Radio. This is that feeling that you get right before you pull into the water box or right after you do your burnout, checking them straps, roll your neck a little bit, take a couple deep breaths, you bumping it in, and you let go. Well, it's the top of the bottom and you know you crushed it. You get the 500 foot out and you start beating the pedal out of that thing. You get to the finish line, you knock on the drop on whatever you do. <laughs> this is that feeling right here. Founded in 1959, SW Performance Group is known worldwide as the leader in drag race chassis development and innovation. Their custom-built, award-winning SW race cars are used by many of the leading NHRA and IHRA professional nostalgia and sportsman race teams. Their 27,000 square foot headquarters houses a full line of affordable chassis kits, roll bars and roll cages, suspension parts, rollers to complete race cars, and much more. Specialized made in the USA bolt-on products by SW Race Parts, CamaroGuys.com, and MustangGuys.com are used by do-it-yourselfers and professionals around the world. SW Rod Parts are designed for use in custom cars, pro street cars, pro touring cars, street rods, and rat rods. Specialized components are also produced for off-road trucks, and RVs. The commercial division, S&W Precision Specialties, provides water jet cutting, MIG and TIG welding, sheet metal forming, round or rectangular tube bending, and a full service machine shop that includes custom built trophies and awards. For more information, visit www.swracecars.com or call 800-523-3353. Thoughts, comments, or opinions stated, expressed, or implied are not necessarily those of Wheels Up Radio or its sponsors. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wheels Up Radio live on Wednesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Rob Keister. I'm the president of the Mid-Atlantic.90 Association. And our normal host, Mr. Chris Barnes, is once again, playing chauffeur for the uh, kids with the uh, uh, ski jumping team up at the local high school. As he had called me a little bit earlier today and told me it was the probably the worst ski jumping hill that he has seen in his life. Um, but uh, we are we are live back here for episode number two of year number five here, uh, kicking off 2018. Uh, we were supposed to have a few different guests on tonight. Uh, Julian Matas, which is a top alcohol dragster driver, uh, was supposed to be on tonight. Unfortunately, she had some sponsorship uh, uh, meetings going on and uh, could not come on with us tonight. So we were then going to be filling in with our good old 
uh, buddy from NHRA Division One, Steve Rhodes. But unfortunately, Steve is, uh, as we all know, is a volunteer fireman and uh, unfortunately got a uh, bad call today of a fatality, a auto, a auto fatality, and he had to, uh, he has to be there until they are able to clean up the scene. So, as always, we kick off uh, tonight with uh, the man coming back from his little bit of hiatus of a break, uh, and that is the president of the Tri-State Stock Super Stock Association, Mr. Mike Carr. How are we doing, Mike? Good, Rob, and hope everyone out there is doing well this evening. Um, after last week, I uh, hope everyone's staying warm. I mean, around here tomorrow, it's supposed to be pushing 60 degrees, and you get excited, and then you see, oh, wait, it's only January 10th, not March 10th. So, um, but I hope everyone out there is doing well, and I know the win- everybody gets, I know I certainly do, The even though I don't race anymore, I always got the winter blahs this time of year, because there's nothing going on when i did used to race i'd have been looking forward to hershey this uh weekend for the division one banquet but um hope everyone's doing well and i kind of feel bad because our guests had to cancel um rob i'm sorry but you got stuck with me (laughs) that's okay we can uh we can mill through for two hours tonight and talk about uh stuff anybody out there listening who wants to call in and uh they chime in and maybe talk about their season, talk about what's going on, maybe plans for 2018, uh, races you might be hitting, or just want to chit-chat with us. But uh, we will mill through for the two hours. Uh, most, some of us are getting ready to uh, hit Hershey, Pennsylvania this weekend uh, with the uh, Division One banquet uh, that is that is uh, going, which I believe is the 51st annual NHRA Division One banquet. Up in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, myself, uh, Kelly Barbado, Don Novlick, uh, Amanda Boychesco, Bill Harderford will be all uh, heading up sometime Friday afternoon uh, for the uh, the short, probably about two, two-and-a-half-hour drive for us to, uh, to uh, hit Hershey and uh, have some festivities, a few adult beverages, uh, go out to dinner Friday night, and then uh, I know the uh, girls want to hit the, the – uh, good old pool that they have there now and then uh then we'll have the banquet on uh saturday night and head on home on on sunday but uh i guess if you want to talk about some news the uh nhra division one and east coast was rocked uh early saturday morning uh with the news of the passing of uh, joe sway senior uh anybody who did not know uh joe personally uh joe was the Manager or actually the owner of Echo Dragway. Uh, Joe was uh, the owner for probably about 25 years or so. Uh, before that, he uh, he, he uh, had a racing career. Uh, he owned a, owned some uh, uh, some uh, sh- shopping markets um, and uh, also raced uh, Super Gas and also raced uh, Pro Stock uh, back in the day with the Sway Brothers uh, Trans Am. Uh, you know, was a was a formidable opponent on the uh, NHRA tour. Went went a few rounds uh, here and there uh, with the car. Uh, then he uh, he eventually uh, took over buying Acco Dragway. Uh, ran Acco Dragway with his partner Bobby and Skyver for a few 
you know, for most of the 80s and uh, 90s or so. Uh, eventually, uh, partnership uh, changed hands to a, a gentleman who used to race a, a mountain motor pro stock named Ned uh, Katorin. Uh, him and Joe partnered up, and uh, Bob uh, went on his way pretty much. But uh, Joe ran the track up until about 2000. I think it was about 2014, I believe, when he uh, when he sold it to Len Capone, uh, but Joe stayed on as a pretty much as a consultant with uh, with the track for about two years or so, uh, and then eventually uh, last year he was uh, uh, left ACO and worked for Anytray for a little bit, and then uh, eventually went to become the general manager of Maple Grove Dragway for till the end of this year, uh, so. A little bit of history about Joe. Uh, definitely was a, a a guy who knew how to do run a racetrack, knew how to prep a racetrack. Um, you know, sometimes as 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 they like to say, he was a he was a tough nut to crack. Pretty much uh, as as one uh, gentleman pretty much uh, put it into perspective, he was like an M and M. He had that hard outside shell, you know, and you didn't know how to sometimes approach him. But kind of once you got broke that shell and got into the into the center part of him, where it was, you realized that, you know, he was doing things for the racers to make things run smooth, and to you know make sure safety was at its utmost at Aco Dragway, and that's what made Aco probably the you know best racetrack that it was for you know all the years that it that it was, and uh, you know uh, he, he will definitely be missed. Uh, he, I saw him at the Dutch Classic uh, three months ago or so. Uh, looks like he, he looked like he was enjoying himself at Maple Grove. Uh, definitely was having some fun. Definitely was uh, uh, looked like the old Joe from back in the end. He had, actually had some smiles on his face, which sometimes it was it was kind of hard to get a smile out of Joe. But uh, you know, uh, went to the uh, uh, went to the viewing last night, and and I must say, um, you know. I, I've been to a lot of viewings and a lot of funerals in my life, unfortunately, and this had to be probably the most amount of people I've ever seen at a at a viewing. Uh, when I tell you it had to be close to 500 to 600 people were at this viewing last night, it, it was pretty close. I, I got there, uh, started at 6 o'clock, I got there about 5.30 or so because I worked pretty much where the train drops me off is right down the street from the funeral home, and I pulled in just because... I knew it was going to be a good amount of people, but I didn't know how many, you know, people it was really going to be. And I got there. There was already a line at 530 uh, for for people to, to come in and pay their respects. Uh, by the time I left, about 645 or so, the line had stretched around all the chairs in the, in the funeral home, out the door, around the couch that was uh, adorning the uh, the funeral home went down outside down the steps around the back portion where the uh, they parked the hearse at and actually went around the building and from what I had been told it was till the the viewing is supposed to stop at nine o'clock it went on till almost eleven last night uh, just from the people coming in and paying their respects to him so he uh, he definitely touched a lot of people and through his you know through everything that he that he ever did and you know and pretty much if you just went to echo once you somehow met you know either a family member or joe himself 
Uh, his wife, Linda, worked the front gate for a long time uh, collecting money. Uh, and also his uh, his son, Kevin, uh, ran Super Pro, some Super Comp, and, and helped him out uh, with the track. So, but our, our deep, our you know, biggest time uh, condolences go to the Sway family, uh, to, you know, all his friends, his family, especially Dave Lay. Uh, Dave Lay was, you know, very close friend of Joe's. And, uh, you know, I talked to Dave last night and just, uh, you know, anything that, that he needed, you know, we were there for him. So, but uh, he'll be uh, sadly missed. I've never personally met Joe, but I know, I figure you, Dave Lake, because Dave's series runs a lot at ATCO. You run at ATCO and stuff, and that actually doesn't surprise me that that many people showed up because I've never heard a crossword said to or about Joe and stuff. And I know he was well-liked, well-respected, and um, I guess our condolences go out to his friends and family, and um, he will be missed. Uh, you know, big time loss. Uh, it was a it was a very big hit. Any trade division one staff. Like I said, there was a lot of people there last night that that you could just you know I you know knew personally. Uh, the Bochescos, Aragonas, Dave Moon, uh, the Harvey family, uh, Danny Northrup. I mean, it was just on and on. Uh, you know, the people that that came to pay their respects, and I'm sure. That, Today was his actual burial, so I'm sure there might have been people that, that showed up this morning that couldn't make it last night or, you know, pulled into the parking lot and saw the line and said, well, we'll just come tomorrow and, uh, you know, so forth and, and so on. But uh, I said, he will, he will definitely be missed. But, uh, you know, as, I, as I, we, we talked last week with Bobby uh, Bobby Bender and, and Kelly and stuff, it's just, you know, I know we're getting older and, and, uh, you know, me and, me and Mike are the same age, you know, in our third, you know, late thirties and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's always just a sad time when you, you see people that you grow up with or people that you idolized or people that you knew, uh, growing up, uh, you know, are, are passing away. And like, you know, like we had said, you know, we had some news last week of some, uh, some people in the, the NHRA division one stock, uh, spiders, Fancos and, uh, uh, Jerry Viganova, uh, both passing away and now, uh, you know, Joe passing away. So, so far, 10 days into 2018 hasn't been a very good start. So hopefully uh, once uh, the snow melt temperatures start to warm up a little bit and we get back out to the track, uh, won't be, uh, won't be so bad uh, uh, with news and stuff like that. But uh, so I guess uh, on to some, bigger and uh, I guess better things I guess you would say uh, you know I uh, don't know if we were you know maybe I guess happier I guess maybe things. some more more happier happier things um, we're gonna we'll turn things over to Mike here Mike's got the, uh, the entry list so far for Lucas Oil Winter Nationals that are happening here we'll, literally in a month uh, in a month from today we'll be in Pomona uh, February 8th to 11th we'll be Promoter for Lucas Oil NHRA Winter Nationals presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com. So, uh, Mike, take it away with what the uh, entries l- list looks so far. Yes, and we are 
a month from tomorrow, uh, the Winter Nationals start in Pomona, California, and the entry list looks pretty good in the sports betting classes. Uh, super stock is full. Stock is full. Super comp is two over full. Super gas is two under full. Uh, top sportsman and top dragster each are both full, so that's pretty good on the sportsman side. And the professionals are a little lacking, but like you and I talked about before we came on the air, Rob, you know, a lot of teams, they probably haven't even started testing yet. There's zero top fuel cars entered, but which is, I know it's early yet, but it's kind of surprising for California, which, all right, it was 50-something, 60 years ago that California was basically the birthplace of drag racing in general and the big, in the nitro classes. We remember how much, the Californians thought Don Gardlitz was bogus because he put up big numbers on the East Coast, and they thought, you know, no, nah, this is top, well, it wasn't even top fuel at the time, but that's a California thing. We can't have somebody from swampy old Florida running faster than us, but, you know, California is kind of where it all started, and um, no top fuel cars entered yet, but I imagine, you know, we got a month, so... It'll fill up. The sportsman classes are totally full or at or above full, so it should be. Now I know, and I I know you've seen Rob, but probably some people will drop out in the next month if you know due to whatever illness or injury or the car's broken or whatever. But um, at least on the sportsman side of things, it um, looks pretty good for Pomona, and we're still a month away. Yeah, well, that, that's always a it's always a positive thing, I guess, for the sportsman stuff. Uh, as far as the the pros go, like you and I said, once uh, once I think they start getting through testing, um, I believe the uh, Arizona has the two test sessions. Uh, for the pros, I think once once the uh, and I believe Pro Stock might be testing right now down in Florida, down in Braderton. Uh, I believe I've post I've seen a few posts from Erica Enders uh, stating that she was uh, she was down in uh, Florida testing her car, and they were they were talking about um, I believe it was supposed to be like a four day test session, but it's actually turned into an eight-day test session because the fact is that they've had rain, cold weather, um, and things like that, and they haven't been actually able to to race. Uh, so I think she actually took a picture of uh, the the um, washer and dryers that were inside their hotels of them having to do more laundry wash because they only packed for four days or five days, and, and uh, they had to have some, uh, some clothes wash for the uh, extra three or four days that they they were hoping not to be there. They were hoping to be home. But uh, I think once once they get done with testing uh, in Florida with the pro stock cars and once, uh, once the pros get done testing out in Arizona, I believe you know, you'll see it fill up. I don't really know if you're going to see a full field all the way across. Um, you know, you got to remember, you know, we there was some – some guys who did retire at the end of the year. I mean, Alexis Azoria did, did uh, retire. Alan Johnson retired. Um, you know, I know Alexis with her, you know, leaving. You know, Sean Langdon's jumping into a funny car for this year. 
Um, Alan Johnson really haven't seen anybody make any any waves uh, yet saying that, you know, they're going <clears> to <throat> jump on into the pool of uh, pro stock for the upcoming season. Uh, I know Chris McGeha uh, did announce he's going to run a full uh, session or full season in 2018. Um, also, Vincent Nobile will be back uh, behind the wheel. But these are guys who actually started last year in Pomona uh, before they decided to, you know, park things mid-season or only run like a full, you know, like only like run like a full times uh, half a season or so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they get a full 16-car field. Um, usually, I think, if anything, you might see is, like, funny car may be a full field because you get some of the Southern California teams that, that uh, uh, fill in. You get, like, a Gary Densham or uh, uh, I'm trying to think some other guys. You know, Shane Westerfield, you know, we we had talked to him. Um, but I believe the car that, that he was driving for a little bit, I think they have uh, they have a driver. Uh, Jeff Wren always drives the uh, the Peter Russo uh, funny car from out in Australia. So there, there's a there's a couple like you know part time teams that that only run out there on the on the West Coast that usually kind of fill in that. Um, I know Mike Stellanis in Top Fuel is going to run the full season this year. So uh, there's there's somebody who's going to run all 24 events. But uh, like I said it'll be interesting to see if uh, all you know, all 16 the spots are filled up. And uh, as everybody knows, Pro Stock Bikes won't start until Gainesville, along with Pro Mod. Uh, Pro Mod actually opened up their uh, deal for an entry list already and already have 21 teams that are committed for the 2018 season to run all 12 events. So maybe, you know, I know the Pro Mod teams have pretty much said that they don't want to run the full 24 events just because the fact is that these guys are working class, uh, you know, own their own businesses and can't take, you know, 24 weekends out of the year off to go drag racing. So it'll, it'll be interesting to, to really see in the coming years, you know, um, you know, there was a, there was an interview with Richard Freeman, uh, which, uh, once we take a commercial break here in a little bit, I will, uh, I'll try to look up and kind of see what Richard Freeman actually had to say, but it was a pretty interesting thing to say that pro, it's this is the time to watch pro stock. So uh, it will be uh, it'll be it'll be quite interesting. But uh, like uh, like I said a little earlier, Mike said a little earlier, this weekend is the Division One win in Hershey. Uh, we will crown uh, the champions for the 2017 season. Um, I believe the East Region Alcohol guys also will be honored there also, which are Josh Hart and Phil Burkhart uh, Jr. Um, I'm not sure if Josh is going to come up to Division One or not because uh, the Division Two banquet is also the same weekend as the Division One banquet down in Jekyll Island, uh, Georgia. Uh, so I'm not too sure if he's... Uh, he's going to be coming up to Hershey or if he's going to be out in Georgia uh, accepting his uh, award since he is from Florida. So uh, that might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, hit or miss. Uh, but the other te- champions are uh, Frank Aragona Jr. and Competition Eliminator. Uh, we have Joe Santangelo in Stock Eliminator. 
Kent Hanley, who we had on a few weeks ago, and uh, Superstock. Uh, Supercomp is Mike Robolato. Uh, Supergas is Jason Kenny. Uh, Superstreet is a good friend of mine and uh, Mid-Atlantic Superstreet Association member, Jason Lawrence. So looking forward to seeing Jason, maybe having a beer or two with him. Uh, also uh, in Top Sportsman, uh, Jeff Books is the uh, champion and uh, top sportsman and top dragster is one of up a boy up near Chris's uh, area, Nick Willard. So that's all the champions that will be honored this weekend for the Division One banquet. And then uh, they also have the junior dragster uh, champions, the uh, bracket uh, champions, the uh, guys who went to California from uh, Division One. Uh, they have a couple special awards, uh, Rookie of the Year, or Image of the Youth, uh, I believe is what they call it. Um, the Contributor of the Year for National Dragster, um, Person of the Year, uh, Sponsor of the Year, which is usually always PC Richards. You know, um, Gary Richards, I think, has won it, I don't know how many years in a row. I think there's... I think he's kind of like the Pete DeSalvo of uh, the National Dragster Contributor uh, Award. Um, you know, if anybody knows Pete DeSalvo from Eston Tragway, the the, uh, the guy has uh, the guy's won I don't know how many years, twenty some odd years in a row it was. I I was fortunate enough to knock him off the knock him off his uh, reign in 2016 uh, and won the award. But uh, um, he he came back strong last year and, and won it. So. Uh, don't know if he's going to continue his reign this year, but, you know, we'll, we'll see on a Saturday night. Um, uh, but like I said, uh, you got the image of youth award, which I kind of have a, I kind of have a strong feeling. I think I know who it might possibly be. And she's been on the radio before. And I think, and I'm, you know, I'm, if I was a, if I was a betting man in Las Vegas right now, my money would be on Taylor Icono to be the rookie of the year. She had a killer year in Super Street. Uh, junior Dragster alumni uh, definitely uh, kicked some butt in Junior Dragster and finished 11th in our first year in that, that truck uh, in Super Street in Division One. So put my money on Taylor to, to be the, the rookie of the year this year in Division One. But uh, I guess we'll find out next Wednesday or once, uh, <laughs> once everything gets announced. Yeah, I don't – you know, I haven't – obviously raced in a number of years, but having ran division one, I would not, when I did compete or even now try to have to be one of the ones that vote for the image of youth award, because you and I both know there's so many great, not just division one, but everywhere where you have second, third generation racers where, you know, how do you pick one to be, you know, the, kind of the next big thing in the sport it's almost impossible it is i mean you know we do a, a similar thing in our association uh we do a rookie of the year and it's open to anybody i mean you could be you know i mean last year we had a, a gentleman who runs super gas who's 50 plus odd years old but it was his first year running uh you know the with the series and you know he ended up winning two events and uh you know, really had a, a killer year, finished, I think, fourth in points, and he ended up becoming our rookie of the year. I mean, you know, some people kind of looked at it a little, you know, weird and a little funny, or were like, you know, what, what's this guy, Mike Lang, winning, 
winning the rookie of the year. He's, you know, he's he's 50 plus. I mean, I mean, I'm not even sure how old Mike really is, but uh, his son Sean's about my age, so I'm, I'm assuming Mike's probably, you know, late 50s, maybe early 60s, and he gets rookie of the year. And and you know, people kind of looked at it. And I said, well, it's his, you know, it's his first year running with us. It's the first year being a member. It's first, you know, and he had the best out of you know best results out of everybody. And, and that's how I judge a lot of my rookie of the year stuff on is. This is your first year running with the with my series, and you know you have a you know great year. That's how you get you know nominated, and you know that's that's what it is. I mean, you know, and, and I'm banking on Taylor also because the fact that she's got to keep the ladies streak going. Uh, because I believe last year was Caitlin Krause, the year before was Alex Smythe, and Amanda might have won the year before that. So. Um, you know, and so she's got to kind of keep the women, the women's streak going on uh, with uh, with the rookies of the years going on. So, but uh, I guess uh, well, I know take a quick. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Oh, oh, if you have to take a commercial break, go ahead, and we'll finish that when you come back. All right, we'll take a quick, uh, quick little break here, and then we'll be uh, we'll be right back. Are you looking for reliable auto repair, a place that genuinely is invested in your auto care experience? Southern New Hampshire Undercar has you covered, from basic auto repair and maintenance to custom exhaust work. Owner Dan Christopher has been in the auto business for over 20 years. You can look them up online at southernnewhampshireundercar.com or give them a call at 603-329-6650. Founded in 1968, Sassy Racing Engines, your supercharged Hemi Superstore, has become the preeminent builder of not only Hemi tractor pulling engines, but drag racing engines as well. Their engines have won over 40 NTPA Pro Pulling League championships, including the 2014 East Coast Pro Comp Association Drag Racing Championship. Can't find what you're looking for? Be sure to check out their large inventory at www.sassyracingengines.com or give the shop a call at 603-529-2814. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. say one of my favorite videos, music videos of all time was because it actually has drag racing in it. Metallica's, Metallica's fuel. But we're back here on Wheels Up Radio Live Wednesday night. Rob Keister, President of the Atlantic.90 Association, and Mike Carr, President of the Tri-State Stock Super Stock Association rolling the, uh, the episode tonight. 
uh, you say it's the uh, it's the presidents of the associations uh, night, I guess you would say. Yeah, it's um, I guess uh, Chris, what was your line always? Uh, Turn the keys to the Cadillac over to us tonight. So, yay. <laughs> yep. Let the kids loosen the daycare. Well, we're 38, Rob, both of us. I don't, is that really enough to be called kids? I try to, pres- I, I mean, I, I try to feel like a kid. I mean, you know, I'm 38, but I mean, you know, a lot of my friends are a little bit older than me. So, you know, it's, you know, I feel like an old man when I'm hanging around with Amanda because she's 21 and, you know, I'm 38. And when she hangs around with the group or was, we were all, it was like the it was like exciting when she actually turned twenty one. She actually you know drink with us. It was it was kind of it's like thank goodness. When I first started out getting into stock super stock, no matter what crowd I was in, I was always the youngest and usually by far. So it's kind of nice for me now to go to a race, whether it's one of my races. Well, that's the only races I go to anymore, but to see people racing in that are, you know, they're 23, 24 years old, some younger. And I'm, I said, I just turned 38 in November. So it makes me feel good that, Hey, I'm not the young punk anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah one, unfortunately there thing, was, there's, there's not many of those young, young people that it was that are, that are coming into this sport. Um, you know, I believe, uh, I don't know if Johnny D is doing something. Johnny D. Portolomeo is doing something, an article uh, in the next one of his drag racing edge magazines or not on uh, the, the feature of the sport. Um, but uh, I, I believe he, uh, he had a long discussion, I think, with Dave Lay about the feature of the sport, um, you know, not too long, uh, a few days ago it was, and, and where it's going and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I've always been one of those people with the glass half full, uh, mentality. And, you know, you got these people that are doom and gloom, like, you know, it's, you know, it's only a matter of time before we're not going to be drag racing anymore. Um, I think drag racing will always be around. Uh, it may be in different forms. Uh, It may not possibly be, you know, class racing or, or, Top Fuel Funny Car, uh, you know, might be in a different type of, of realm, uh, you know, like these, uh, what a, I guess is a subject I guess we can get, well, actually, we, we got to finish up what, you know, you were going to talk about, Mike, before I get uh, a little fired up here about, uh, about uh, a, I guess you would say like a, 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 not a series, but just the way, way racing is, is going and. I wish we had uh, Dave Pike to, to come on with us here on this episode because he uh, he uh, he had some choice words. Oh, well, just what I was saying earlier. You said about keeping the streak of girls alive and winning whichever award that was. And I know people that I've known they're they're bigger fans, I guess, of other forms of racing, whether it's IndyCar or NASCAR or whatever, and they will always kind of 
surprised, I guess, about how many women were in drag racing and different stuff. And, you know, you compare it to NASCAR. There were some girls that won a few girls that tried truck racing, um, maybe one or two in nationwide. And with the exception of Danica, nobody in cup. You see a lot more in Indy cars, but they were always kind of surprised, but in a good way that there were so many females in drag racing. And honestly, I've been doing it, been around it for a while. I don't even really think about it. You just think of when you're racing somebody, you know, when I looked, when I did used to race, if I was in this, even in a time trial, I looked over and it was either, you know, Katie Sapanik or if it was Ali Smythe or something, I just, they were no different to me than if it was Peter Biondo or Dan Fletcher. It's a damn good racer in the other lane. And I don't think gender or race or ethnicity or anything really matters. You and I both have known that there are female drivers that are damn good, if not even better than some of the guy racers. So some people, because they're, they, like NASCAR, there's not a lot of females, and in drag racing, there is a lot of females, all the way up to the Force Girls, all the way down to, like you said, uh, Taylor Iacono. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It's nothing I really even think about anymore, about gender. Well, I think also it is, and I was, I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have actually been, uh, when the news broke about Joe Sway and uh, I was telling, I was talking to a few friends of mine or it was, and we were just, you know, of course we were talking about Joe a little bit, but then we got talking about drag racing and, and stuff. And, and, you know, if you look at IndyCar, you look at NASCAR, you look at any of those other um, type uh, sanctioning bodies, uh, sprint cars, uh, such and such. And, you look at it, a lot of these drivers, a lot of these racers, you know, they come out, they sign a few autographs, you know, maybe shake a few hands, get into their cars, run 500 miles, get out, do one or two interviews, three interviews or it was, and then they go back in the hall or, you know, the car was doing this, the car was doing that, the car was doing this, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. And boom, they go off to their luxury motorhomes. And, you know, they, they lock themselves in the motorhome for the night and then, you know, maybe have a few adult beverages and then and then that's it. I think with NHRA, it's a lot more open for younger people, for, you know, people of different, you know, uh, genders, male, female, uh, you know, uh, different, you know, whatever, you know, white, black, uh, Spanish, Japanese, whatever it is to come and, and actually see what we do on a regular basis. Whereas, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, uh, that stuff is so restricted into, you know, what you can and what you can't see. Like, you know, I've told people before, I, I used to, we used to have tickets to Dover every year for the NASCAR race. And, you know, I remember going to Dover the first time and I was sitting there and it was my stepdad, uh, my mom, and I believe my brother. Or it was a friend of the the family's. I was like, oh, we can go down into the pits and go see him work on the cars and and stuff like that. And you know, we get to you know to the checkpoint, and the guy's like, you guys only have you know seats. 
why can't we go down and see the cars and see them, you know, see them do this? Assume, oh no, no, you need, you need to, you know, be a sponsor or you need to be, you know, a car owner or whatever it is to go down and see what they're doing down there. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of sucks. So, you know, you go up there, you watch the, you know, you watch the races and of course, you know, after about 50 laps, you're pretty much bored out of your mind. Uh, you know, unless there's an accident or a crash or it was. So, you know, you go down, you go through the merchandise trailers, and it's like, oh, let's get up there for the last, you know, 100 laps of the of the race. And you go back up there and, you know, watch it. You know, whereas NHRA and drag racing in period, you can come in, you know, go into, a, you know, go into a, a, the pits, stand right there, watch them, you know, take the car apart, you know, the drivers come over, said, shake their hand. Hey, how you doing? You know, get a picture, sign an autograph, and it's more open, I think, for for these for these guys, or it was than than anything else. And I think that's what draws, you know, like I said, any kind of different vendors, uh, you know, uh, races, anything into there because they it looks like they can do what they're doing um, at these tracks, and I think that's what it makes it so open and and. You know, I love the fact is that there's so many girls that are in, you know, drag racing. I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a big time plus for the the sport that to see so many, you know, just different, you know, different things. It's not the same same person all the time every time you go on the racetrack. And you know, I I, I know there's some guys out there was who really, you know, man, they get a case of the of a of an attitude or a you know, they want to burn everything to the ground if, if they come back and, oh, man, I lost to Taylor Icona or I lost to Amanda Boychesco or I lost to, you know, Kelly Barbado. And, you know, they, they're they kicking the tires and want to set things on fire because the fact is that, you know, they lost to a girl. You know, they're not supposed to lose to a girl. But, you know, we live in a totally different world now than back in, you know, whatever it may possibly be. And, you know, more power to them to – to go out there and, you know, they, they deserve every right to, to anybody else to come out there and kick our rear ends just like, you know, whatever. So, you know, I'm not trying well, to get into, you know, a political thing and, and get, you know, people to start bashing me or what, but yeah, I think it's just awesome. I You know, and I think it's awesome that the past four or five uh, image of youth people have been girls. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a show of a future of where the sport is and where it's going. And, and, you know, you have the, like you said, you have the Force Girls, you have Courtney, you have Brittany, you know, Ashley, when she did drive, you know, we're good, um, good ambassadors. Uh, another good ambassador is coming up through the ranks, and I think she's going to be awesome for the sport when she goes pro is Ashley Stanford. Uh, girl with bubbly personality. Um, she just loves racing. You know, um, you know, I mean, of course, Erica, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know. Sometimes, you know, some people like her, don't like her. It was because maybe she, you know, might have an attitude, or it was. But you know what? It, the sport's full of highs and lows. I mean, there's, you know, as everybody says, you know, if you planned on going out and winning every single race that you ever entered, it would get quite boring. There's going to be ways to lose, and the book of losing is a lot bigger than the book of winning. Uh, you know, you can find everything in there and. You know, there's going to be times where it was where tempers flare up and people get pissed off at each other and, you know, and whatever. And it's just just unfortunately how the cookie crumbles. 
Well, I raced for several years, and the only time I can ever recall getting legitimately pissed was at myself for doing something stupid. But, um, you know, you said about female racers. I started out racing brackets mostly, and, you know, sometimes I'd either trophy or whatever equivalent class, depending on what track I was at. Sometimes I couldn't. I've won races, and this is going to, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but in the final round that I beat somebody, I couldn't even tell you the color, the mate, the model, the anything of the car I was racing, so I had no idea who it was. There are times that I know that I actually was racing against a female. I have three wins, four losses. I have a losing record in races where I know that it was a female I raced. And so, you know, I've known people like what you described that kind of throw their helmet and everything. I can't believe I got beat by a girl, but, you know, it's part of the sport. And like you said, if you're going to, I always expected to win when I left the house, but I realized, yeah, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I knew better than to get down if I lost around unless, again, I did something stupid that I, totally avoidable but um yeah you can't you can be confident but you can't think every time i go out there i'm going to win because you're going to be disappointed a lot more than you're happy i would say and so but i've known people like that that kind of get upset about losing to a girl you know you mentioned amanda i think you and i both know i've never met amanda or e but i think She'll have a long, happy, successful career ahead of her, and there's going to be a lot of guys, if they act that way, they're going to be upset because there are probably a lot of men that are going to lose to that girl going through her career, and there's a lot of other females in the same way. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, you know, there's a lot of girls out there who who kick butt, and, you know, rather you're 18, 19 years old or – you know, you're growing up and just starting out racing. And, you know, like, you know, you you always maybe race, you know. I mean, look at a good friend of the, the show, uh, Carrie Corey. Um, you know, raced, uh, raced some street, you know, here and there. Uh, you know, husband, uh, Brian, always ran. Uh, the kids run the junior dragsters, and she got the chance to run the truck this year. And, boom, comes out there, and, you know, she went to a uh, final round that um, – National event in New England. She won the uh, division race at Englishtown. Finished uh, top ten in the uh, in in Division One. So, you know, proves that you know, no matter what age you are, you know, you can you can kick butt with the best of them. And you know, it, it's just just how it is. But uh, I guess uh, turning to a different subject, and I guess it's a subject that I know got under. Uh, a good friend of the this show and um guy who comes on her episode often with the drag race for a cure and and that was uh the no prep movement that is going on in uh, around the world um for any of you guys who don't know what no prep is and uh, are kind of wondering what it's all about pretty much it kind of it's self-explanatory uh, what happens is it, it pretty much started a lot with the street outlaws uh, guys and 
the guys at Rome, of course, on Discovery Channel. Uh, with pretty much what happens is that they either the Discovery Channel rents out a uh, a track itself, like they had the Bristol one, I think last uh, weekend that was shown on TV, but it happened sometime during the summertime. Uh, they just had a race last weekend in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, but pretty much what happens is the weekend or the couple days leading up to the race, they come and they pretty much wash the track, all rubber, uh, glue, anything what was, and they give it a deep washing. Uh, so it's pretty much almost like the concrete or asphalt that you drive your regular streetcar on. And what they do is they put these high horsepower cars down these tracks, and unfortunately, uh, you know most of most of them are all over the place, uh, and you know some of them do crash. And I know what Dave's uh, big gripe was uh, over the weekend. There was a, uh, a Brothers, I believe, called the Bird uh, Bird Brothers. They uh, believe were on Street Outlaws, New Orleans. They had a uh, blue Ford Probe. And I believe on the on the Street Outlaws, New Orleans, they crashed it twice, just on the one season or two season that that was on. Um, but anyway, he they went to these uh, no prep race at Tucson, Arizona, and. and um, Jim Hughes, who owns Hughes Converters, uh, now owns Tucson, uh, had this big event. Had them coming from all over. He had the, uh, the uh, guys from Oklahoma, New Orleans, uh, uh, Memphis, Texas, whatever it was, all came to Arizona to run this race. And uh, he used to say the Bird Brothers leading uh, one of the races. Car got loose, came across, hit the wall, rolled a few times, pretty much once say, I'd say the car either was completely destroyed or pretty close to being destroyed. But what really took Dave off in the upcoming probably hours leading after that was, and it actually pissed Chris off too, and, and kind of myself too, is that a GoFundMe account was uh, put up for this team, for this, these Bird Brothers to um, – I'm not really sure what the amount was up to. When I checked it about three days ago, there were $775, I believe, raised already um, out of the – I think they were asking for maybe twenty-five grand uh, for for this uh, for this thing. And, you know, to me is that these, these GoFundMe accounts uh, for things like this has just become – asinine, stupid, uh, you know, what GoFundMe was originally set up to do was for people that could not afford their medical bills if they were sick, if they didn't have insurance, or, you know, even if they had insurance and insurance wasn't covering uh, everything that was going on, um, you know, this was a way for the, the public to kind of raise a little money for these people to help them out so they weren't getting you know, killed with medical bills from, you know, cancer or if they had an emergency open-heart surgery or, uh, you know, they, they came down with a sickness and, you know, they had to spend weeks on end in the hospital. And, of course, you know, I can tell you personally I had, you know, a gallbladder out and spent two days in the hospital and it was $36,000. So, you know, for, you know, some people, 
you know, two, three weeks, four weeks where it was in the hospital, I mean, your bills are, are through the roof. And, you know, I know what happened with my mom and the uh, the bills that came in just for her cancer drugs was, you know, insane. But that's what this GoFundMe, the GoFundMe website, the GoFundMe accounts are, are for is to help have the public help out you know, people that are in need. Unfortunately, some people have started to use the GoFundMe accounts towards trying to fix race cars, uh, auctioning off scooters, um, you know, needing race car parts, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, uh, Dave Pike went on there, pretty much blatantly just told them they were all beep beeps. Uh, I know Chris has been pretty adamant on there. It was, and myself. I mean, I, I try not to really vent too much on Facebook. I try not to really go on Facebook that much. You know, I, I'm more, I, I'm more turned into a cruiser and and just free comments and and things like that. Um, and focus more on the Mid Atlantic uh, site than anything else. But uh, you know, like I said, these GoFundMe accounts are for people who are in need of it. You know, we all choose the race cars. We all choose to scrap ourselves into a race car. You know, there's that there's that chance that every time we go down that drag strip that we could crash, we could not come back. You know, it's just the risk that we take. And for, you know, you know I, I guess pretty much, you know, if, if you think setting up a GoFundMe account for somebody who wrecked their car because... They went down a drag strip that didn't have any prep on it, didn't have any glue, didn't have any rubber on it. It's it just, it just absolutely just stupid. So that's my take on it. You know, I'm sure Chris, if Chris was on or if Dave Pike was on, uh, it would be a little more heated uh, conversation about it. But uh, I guess we'll ask Mike his take on it. Um. You said pretty much everything I would have said, maybe in a little more diplomatic way than I would have, but I I totally agree. I don't think, I think people are using those GoFundMe pages for not what it was intended for, and I think it's just silly. And, you know, if you have a health issue or something like that, yes, if you, because you wrecked your car on a track that wasn't capable of having your car, no. That's probably all I'll say about that. Yeah, and, and it's true, and it, it really just is. It's just a shame it was that people are abusing, you know, the system. Uh, I guess you would say, but you know, as I mentioned last uh, weekend, and and Kelly got a good chuckle out of it, is that you know we almost kind of live into a world now where the that people like to abuse the system at least a little bit. I mean, you know. I have living proof that lives next door to me <laughs> with my next door neighbor who they uh they love the first of the month, we'll just say that much. So uh I uh I, I won't get too politically correct or p- politically out, out of out of line or it was because Chris may never ask me back, but uh, I, I just say <laughs> I, I thank them for their I just I thank them or I, I go over and, and tell them that, you know, you're you're welcome for for Christmas gifts every year because I made sure that they got them because I go to work every morning, every day. So, 
Uh, I'm probably Chris is probably already pulling the uh, the shank on me right now. <laughs> He's probably already getting people complaining. <laughs> but so, if you have a GoFundMe well, account, make sure just make sure it's used for the correct thing for people who actually need it for you know sacrifices such as cancer, open heart surgery, stuff that people cannot afford their medical bills and that people are out there, you know, basically doing it not because you wrecked your race car. That is your choice to go down a racetrack that has no prep on it. That is your choice to race a car. You know, there's a lot more people out in the world or it was who would love to baby race cars, but maybe they can't do it because the fact is they don't have the funds. That doesn't mean that you start up a fund to basically pay for that. So if you're doing it, if you're listening, don't be a jackass, pretty much. Um, yeah, fully agreed. And uh, some, I was actually thinking about this a couple of weeks ago about what a drag racing in a way it's really changed, you know, from – Back when my father used to go, because my dad raced a couple times, I think, before he went to Vietnam, but maybe a couple times after. But, you know, back in the day, there was all the classes that still exist now. Plus, now we have top dragster, top sportsman, dot 90 and everything. But, you know, the sport has changed. It's gone into... Uh, no prep and street outlaws and that kind of stuff. And I guess a lot of that you can blame street outlaws because they're on television. They get more viewers than an NHRA race does, which is that's another topic for probably another day. But, you know, just the things have changed. You know, what a lot of the average fan is interested in, they're not as interested anymore as in John Force and Tony Schumacher and stuff like that. They're interested in, I can, is a big chief and people like that on stuff. And actually, I just read a thing on Facebook, I think yesterday, that some group somewhere that has the small tire cars, which we know they've kind of races have come in their own. Uh, I forget what the big thing is down at Cecil County, the yellow bullet thing. They want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this group this group has kind of went to NHRA and said, you know, they would take a lot of the money and stuff and put it up at, at any given race, you know, to compete at. And I think like X275 and that kind of stuff, which I admit I don't really follow that much, but I guess Chris said they had them up in Epping last year, I believe, and they want to do stuff like that, and I guess NHRA was kind of considering it, which is probably not as dumb as it sounds because if you know, like, Street Outlaws and other type of things are getting more viewers and stuff, I don't see a huge issue with having a group, you know, eight, ten of those cars coming to a national event once in a while, putting on an exhibition, you know, some of the fastest, X275 cars or whatever, it'll be in a national event, so obviously they'll have regular track preps, but, you know, it's just the sport top to bottom, it's kind of different from when 
my dad used to race even when you and I were kids. When you used to, when you started going with your dad, you know, nitro alcohol stock super stock was a big thing, and now a lot of it is the X two seventy five and straight out was and different stuff that a lot of people would say, you know, that's not time real racing and. I can't totally agree or disagree with that, but the fact remains, those kind of races, those TV shows, those events like Yellow Bullet, like the big thing they have down in Georgia, I think, what is that, Duck Promotions or something, those things get a big, you know, the stands are pretty packed and stuff, so I think NHRA is looking at it going, huh. Well, if they're going to get people to tune into the TV and watch them or show up to the track and watch them, you know, maybe maybe we'll bring them in once in a while just for the hell of it. So I guess we'll have to see how that goes. Well, I think a lot of that tends to go into uh, pretty much the fact is that they race, and when they race, it's on the edge. Uh, you know, there's that – it's almost like a NASCAR race. You know, for NASCAR, for the longest time, it was you pretty much went to a NASCAR race to, to see the first lap, to see the last lap, and to see the crashes. You know, that, that's pretty much the way you went to a NASCAR race. And, and most, some people still go to to those races for that reason. Um, and I think that's kind of the reason why that people go to uh, see the, the street outlaws or the no preps or X270 US. And listen, if if you run that and, you know, you, you run that, I have, I have no hard feelings. I mean, drag racing to me is drag racing. I, I believe we all put our pants on the same way. We all put our shirts on the same way. And, you know, rather you choose to, to run stock, super stock, you choose to run, you know, dot 90 racing, you choose to run X275, more power to you. But, you know, my thing to that is that I, I believe is that the – they run on the edge, and with them running on the edge, there's that chance of that danger of that they could crash. And, you know, we live, unfortunately, in a world with social media now that everybody wants to see doom and gloom. They want to see people crash. They want to see people not so much get injured, but, you know, arguments. Uh, you know, they want to see, you know, somebody come out of the out of the thing and, and say, you know, well, I didn't agree with that, or you've jumped the light, or whatever it is, and and you know, boom, they come down the return road, and one guy gets out, and the other guy's getting in his face, and that guy's getting in his face, and you mf or this, and you f or this, and and, uh, and back and forth with each other, screaming and hollering and stuff, and there might be fisticuffs, and there might be, you know, uh, whatever it may be, and, and people. In today's age, kids today's age, that's what they want to see because the first thing, you know, they'll come into school the next day and be like, you know, oh, check out my Snapchat was, oh, this happened on, you know, this happened in Philly, you know, on this. Or it was this guy punched this guy out because, you know, he was mad about a, a race or it was, oh, man, you got to see this or it was, or, you know, oh, check out this card. It rolled 15 times or, you know, over at South Georgia, you know, it, it's like. You probably asked the person who actually won the race. Sixty percent of them couldn't even tell you who won the race. You know who actually won the race, the complete race. Who was the guy holding the money and the trophy and the belt at the end of the day? Sixty percent of them can't tell you. It's, it's more or less like, oh man, you know, 
that Mustang flipped 15 times and, you know, and whatever else, but the guy got out. It's, you know, it's like when you go on Facebook, you know, uh, you go on Facebook and, and people put videos up there. It was, you know, it, it, the first thing people do now is they see catastrophe or they see some kind of an accident or they see a fight or was they pull the phones out and they start video. It's not like let's go help the person out, you know, if they see a car accident. It, it, you know, it's not like let's go see how the person is or, you know, the person's okay or it was. It's let's, let's, let me get my phone out here and videotape it because there's that chance that I, you know, I get might get, you know, featured on, uh, the the local news or Inside Edition or uh, TMZ and you know, I might make money off of my video making making this and you know so so forth and so on and it's just it's you know and I think that's why that has grown as much as it has plus the fact is that they're on on a TV show and that you know if you look at ES or uh, I guess Fox Sports 1 was, you know, they show X amount of racing. You know, if you turn on Discovery Channel and look at Street Outlaws, you might see, i say probably out of the hour-long show, you might see 15 to 20 minutes of actual racing. You know, the other 40 minutes are spent, you know, what's going on in the garage, uh, you know, what uh, – What's it, farm truck and Asian? What are they doing? What you know? What, what who are they blowing up? You know, on a with nitrogen. You know, what dummy are they blowing up nitrogen? Or what are they building over here? Or, or you know, what's this guy doing over his shop? Or you know, what kind of bonfire are they building over? It's it's like a story behind the actual racing, and I think that's why people kind of relate to what the street outlaw guys are all about is because they feel like they're almost one of them. You know, they feel like, well, I'm the guy who owns the machine shop in Maryland, and, you know, I kind of relate to Big Chief out in Oklahoma because, you know what, he's a working-class guy like me. He's changing oil in his, in his, you know, in people's cars. He's going out and having a couple of all beverages, you know, after he's all done racing, and, you know, so forth and so on, whereas... I don't think people can really relate to, you know, Ron Caps, who, you know, he gets done racing, you know, he goes to his beach home on Venice Beach and, and kind of hangs out there, you know, and, and at Venice Beach and, and until the next race. And, I, you know, I, I think that that might be just a downfall with some of the stuff. And, you know, I, I know everybody has their opinion. Everybody has their, their thoughts on what it is. I mean, you know, it's just I I think you know like I said I I like watching X275. I I I'll go to Yellow Bullet. I watch Yellow Bullet all. I've gone to Yellow Bullet a few times. You know I go sometimes. There's index guys who run with us with our series. You know and I'll sit there and watch them. I mean I I find it interesting. I find any kind of drag racing interesting. I mean I I watch it from the pros down to the sportsmen. Um, you know, it, drag racing to me is drag racing, but I think also with class racing is, you know, along with what I just said about the the whole phone thing is if you can't figure out Dot ninety racing or stock super stock or competition eliminator on your phone within the first two minutes, if you can't Google it, people don't want to be bothered with it, and that's what I think is possibly a little bit of the downfall of 
where NHRA and the sportsman is, is that people can't, people don't understand throttle stop racing. You know, people on, people come to a, a drag, drag strip, they expect the car to go from A to B, and the first car wins. What, you know, I, I don't understand this whole, they leave the starting line, they fall flat on their face, they're out to 300 feet, then they pick up again, and then it's a, it's a, you know, a chess game all the way to the end, and well, that guy won 986. This guy went 991. Why is the guy with the 991's wind light on and not the guy with 96? Is he went faster? You know, it, it's you know, and then you try to explain stock and super stock to him, competition eliminator to him, and they they lose interest. And I think that's also a little bit of the downfall with with stuff. Yeah, I would agree with that. And what you do see on TV, you know, pro classes, it's heads up, no breakout, first to the finish line wins. And, you know, I've tried to write on the competition plus message board and even have people tell me they were glad that I wrote some of the stories I did that kind of explain everything easier to a, you know, a casual fan or maybe somebody that's new or never really understood the sportsman classes. It's, but you're right, it is very difficult to try to explain. And unfortunately, we live in a society now where people want to Google everything, and if they can't find it, you know, they're not really interested in it. But, you know, heads up first to the finish line wins, that's it's pretty hard to misunderstand that. So they decide to go ahead and watch that. But there's a whole lot more to the sport than Nitro and Pro Stock and I said before, I think it might have been when we had Alan Reinhardt on. I think, in a way, NHRA is missing the boat because they don't put a ton of sportsman racing on to begin with. So many great stories they could tell, you know, people that a guy or a gal that's a, you know, a firefighter or an EMT or they have a regular job, they work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and then come home and work in the garage in the evening so they could get out and go racing for the weekend. I think the average fan would identify with that a lot easier than a pro team. And I no offense to the pros, but, you know, that's what they do for a living. You know, they don't – there's not really much else they have to do, whereas a fan sitting in the stands can see somebody, you know – Oh, he's a truck driver? Oh, he's just like me. Or he's a veterinarian or, you know, whatever job. There's a lot of human interest stories in the sportsman classes that unfortunately never really get shared. And I think the fans would really appreciate that because they could see somebody out there that does the same thing they do. I mean, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's really true it was. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe there's a, I'm, I'm not sure if it's next weekend or the following weekend. I, I believe Chris has contacted this gentleman and I'm not sure if he's coming on or not or what, but, uh, there's a article out there. I believe it's on Yahoo sports. Uh, I'm trying to look it up actually real quick here. Um, and, uh, it's, I'm not sure what the gentleman's name is here. Uh, yeah, here it is. Actually, it's on Yahoo Sports. Uh, it was written on January third, two thousand eighteen. It was uh, written by a gentleman named Gary Bunkowski. 
he is a sports writer for NBC Sports. And the title of the article basically is what NHRA needs to do, needs to prepare now for the post-John Force era. Um, and, you know, if anybody gets a chance, uh, go read it. Uh, it is a very interesting uh, article, um, you know, basically on, you know, on basically I say uh, John Force. Um, pretty much, I mean, at the, uh, let's see, at the end of 2019 season, he'll be 70 years old, uh, John Force will be. Um, you know, that will also be the end of his current contract with uh, Peak, uh, you know. And John says, you know, I am going to race until the, I can no longer race anymore. Uh, you know, until I, I can no longer be in a race car, I'm going to be driving. Um you know, but it's a it's a very long. I don't say it's very long uh, uh, article, um, but it really goes a little bit in depth as to you know what NHRA is going to do when John Force officially does retire. You know who who is their backups? Who are the you know who who are the people that they can start to kind of put all their their eggs in the basket with? Uh, you know they they put all their eggs in so many you know banking things off of John Force and, you know, you know, here's the old truck driver who turned into a, you know, multi-time, you know, NHRA funny car champion. Who's going to follow in his footsteps? Is it going to be Brittany? Is it going to be Courtney? Uh, is it going to be Antron Brown? Is it going to be, you know, to, you know, Tony Schumacher? I mean, Tony's, you know, kind of up there in each also. Uh, but, you know, who, who's it going to be? Who's going to be the one who's going to, who's going to lead the, the ship? the next, you know, next people, the next, the next empire, uh, you know, of people. And, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, to a point where was, it's, ask, I guess this was, I guess they would say like, ask now and we'll figure it out later. And, and unfortunately, I think it's actually a lot with drag racing, with sponsors, uh, with, you know, with racers, and things like that is that we, you know, we have banked so much on being successful for where we're at right now in 2017, 2018, is that we haven't looked forward to the future as to how we can uh, continue, you know, such things, such as the Junior Dragster Program. Junior Dragster Program is great for, for, for racers. But, you know, it would be awesome to kind of see, you know, how many kids actually run Junior Dragsters and then eventually make that jump into a big car. You know, what's the percentage-wise? You know, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we have made racing so expensive uh, for the average kid, you know, these days. It's hard for them to jump out of a junior dragster and go into a super comp car or go into a super gas car or, or whatever it is and eventually make their way up because everybody knows you got to you pretty much you know have to have some form of a college education you know i mean there's there's some very successful people that don't have a college education that have done very well in their life and kids that are still doing well but you know a lot of jobs now they look for a bachelor's degree or a master's degree and and that's where you're going to make your money at um and so you know you go to school for 6 years or 7 years and you get that, you know, master's degree or bachelor's degree in accounting or, or 
engineering or physics or whatever it is that you may possibly you know want to do, and you get that somewhat good job. But everybody knows when you kind of first start out with a job, you're you know you kind of have to almost prove yourself. You're going to probably make thirty five, forty, forty five thousand dollars to start out, and then eventually you work your way up to the pinnacle where you need to be, you know, for your degree. But also in the same time, you have school loans or or you want to buy a house or whatever it may possibly be. You know, last thing you're thinking about doing is going, hey, let's go buy a, you know, a $70,000, you know, uh, Don Davis Corvette Roadster with a Sunset, you know, uh, big box Chevy in it to run super gas. You know, and the junior drivers should only sell for X amount of dollars. You know, it, it you know, turning key. So it's just, you know, I, I think we really haven't set ourselves up to have a program after junior dragsters to be able to pull those kids out of junior dragsters and put them into race cars that are suitable and are affordable for where they want to go. I think we've we've put all our you know all our stuff into the uh, the basket and we made things so expensive that I think we almost price a lot of the, the kids out of uh, stuff once they come out of junior drag yeah and I I see that in stock super stock a lot of people I know they're oh I want to get a Mustang like Don Fazell or I want to get a you know Camaro like David Barton's and when you tell them the cars like they have just to purchase them are about a hundred thousand dollars, then they're kind of shocked and say, "Okay, well, I'm not going to do that." But then they look around and they see, you know, I started out racing my street car. That's where I got my start and stuff. And I guess you know you can obviously do that, but it's not it's not a cheap sport at all, and the cost aren't really what got me out of racing 11 plus years ago it's just a combination of a lot of things and my health wasn't even one of them at the time but you know somebody you said Amanda's 22 and she's lucky that she has a father former world champion like Iggy and that's you see a lot of sportsman racers the ones running super comp or super stock or whatever they are a second or third generation person, but to the average person just that once sees it and wants to get into it, it is quite expensive, and I would dare say almost too expensive for the average person to just get started in. Yeah, it's uh, it's very true. I mean, there's just, you know, it, it's very hard for somebody who is just starting out, you know, who wants to you know, get in the racing was to 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 get where they need to be. So, but I guess we'll take a quick uh, quick break here, and uh, we got about thirty eight minutes or so left here with uh, was up radio. Um, so we will uh, we'll be right back once I can find some sponsorship stuff that Chris has here. Oh, there we go.
me take the runner, rider of the Lucas Oil Pro Stock Motorcycle. When I need the latest in drag racing news and interview, I tune into the Wheels Up Radio Live on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The question I get asked all the time is, why do you do this? Why do you spend long nights in garages and spend all the money you make and drive hundreds of miles to places in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> that answer's simple. I do it all for the glory. They keep asking me, what's it all about? I say to be mentioned in the lights of AG South. I say the big checks in the word of mouth. Legend spread about how you wouldn't say it. it was a burn down. It's the way your life wouldn't get unless you heard me. Chase this dream, often and early. Just trying to do the unthinkable. Both millions, one year, a young Jeff Birdie. It doesn't matter how you get to the jack street or strip, just bring the cash. When to pay that rent, like I'm AJ Ash. Night moves like a Burn Jones, so duck here, you won't hear us quack. We built these cars and you can bury me. No regard for our own lives, this is everything. If you want your split, you can visit Dairy Queen. Cause if I'm in the other lane, I'm coming for everything. They keep asking me, well, how do you know? It's B-double-O, double oh, oh, oh. It's race line, get behind it. The fight out there, but at the end we shake hands. A family affair, there's no fake friends. The Bogakis and Bohemians like. Founded in 1968, Sassy Racing Engines, your supercharged Hemi Superstore, has become the preeminent builder of not only Hemi tractor pulling engines, but drag racing engines as well. Their engines have won over 40 NTPA Pro Pulling League championships, including the 2014 East Coast Pro Comp Association Drag Racing Championship. Can't find what you're looking for? Be sure to check out their large inventory at www.sassyracingengines.com or give the shop a call at 603-529-2814. All right, and we are back here with Wheels Up Radio Live to round out episode number two for year number five for us. It's uh, Rob Keister and Mike Buff Daddy Carr here as your host. And uh, I guess um, just to talk a little bit about that Tri-State Stock Super Stock Association, Mike, uh, we, we, uh, how are we looking on a schedule for, uh, for 2018? Well, I don't have everything all uh, totally lined up yet, but we're, um, I'm sure we'll be in action at Keystone Raceway Park at the end of September for the annual PID Keystone Reunion uh, race. It's two-day, two-race format. Uh, the first weekend in November will be at Hagerstown, uh, Maryland, Mason-Dixon Dragway for the annual Mason-Dixon Stock Superstock Fall Classic. That'll be, it'll be my 24th year in a row going to that race, which I believe I believe that for me is a record for any track to go to, whether a spectator or a racer, before you know, just to attend. And I've been to said every race since '95 down there, and um, looking forward to that. I plan on getting back to Ohio some this year, maybe either at Dragway 42 or at Quaker City somewhere because. 
I'm not gonna. I don't want to be derogatory or anything, but sometimes a lot of racers in this area they don't. The Ohio Pennsylvania line is like the Berlin Wall. A lot of Ohio people won't come to Keystone. A lot of Pennsylvania people won't come to Quaker City or anywhere in Ohio. And I know myself and a lot of other people. We live in Pennsylvania, but we're actually closer to the races in Ohio than. Keystone, for me, is about 80 miles, roughly. Quaker City is my home track. It's maybe 20, 25 miles. So, and there's a few other people that live a little ways from me, but they're closer to Ohio than the track in Keystone. It's out about 20, 30 miles east of the city of Pittsburgh. But um, hopefully in the next month or so, if hopefully not quite that long, we'll have everything all set up and ready to go for this year will be my 20th year as president of the Stock Superstock Association, the Tri-State Stock Superstock Association. A gentleman by the name of Tom Lang actually started the program. The first year for it was 97. Um, I was the announcer that year. I was a junior in high school he turned it over to me after 98 because he took a job as crew chief for dave mcconnell's uh pro stock truck he didn't think he'd be able to do both so he handed it off to me and um it's one of those things you know a lot of things in life it seems like just yesterday and other times it seems like forever ago but um I'll be definitely looking forward to having my 20th year as president of the series um, this coming year. Cool, very cool. Now, a couple of um, things that go on in the association uh, forefront. Our good friend Jim Wall uh, with the Southern Stock Super Stock Association is uh, hosting a double weekend at Orlando Speed World February 17th and 18th, uh, 2018. Uh, I believe this might be the weekend before the um, the weekend before the divisional down at Orlando. So, uh, kind of, you know, help everybody out there to uh, to, to promote it for Jim. Uh, Jim's been on here a few times with us, but uh, uh, reading this on Class Racer, it'll be a combo race on Saturday and another one on Sunday. This is the weekend before the NHRA Division Two season opener points race at the same track. Orlando Speed World has a history of very fast times and great weather this time of the year. So come on down out of the snow and race with us and get a chance to get a grip on the track and a little extra money in your pocket. Uh, information is gates open at 10 a.m. Cost will be $25 at the gate for the driver and $75 for the uh, Southern Stock Super Stock Association Tech Tent to race. Uh, $12 at the gate for crew members. The, craw- the cost is per race per day. If you have any questions, call Jim Wall at 386-717-4000. Um, and then once he is uh, all done racing, uh, you can go over to the other side, which is the round track, because I believe Orlando has a um, circle track also, uh, the stage. Uh, there's a lot of room. You'll be first in line to get into the track when the NHRA race is all enclosed, chain link, and very safe. So uh, you'll be able to. So anybody from the northeast uh, that's planning on hitting the Orlando 
division race that runs stock, super stock, uh, division three, division four, any of you guys uh, going out there. Um, you know, a good warm-up race for you guys to go down there and a good way to be first in line for when they open up the gates for the Division Two race at Orlando uh, to, uh, to you know, number one, get a bunch of hits on your car and uh, also to, uh, you, know, have, maybe, you know, like you said, put a little extra cash in your pocket in case, uh, you know, in case uh, for whatever reason, you know, you want to. Um you know, we we had said the other uh, last week, I believe uh, Dave Lay already uh, rolled out the tentative 2008 Superstock Association schedule. Um, a little later than normal for for him, uh, but for anybody who wasn't listening last week, uh, the tentative schedule as of right now, uh, all at Echo Dragway, uh, Saturday, July 28th and 29th, which I know will be the weekend before the Luke's Oil Race at Echo. Uh, it's the same weekend that we are there, the Middle Atlantic Dot Ninety Association. Uh, we will be able to leave our stuff at the track. Uh, we will have set up designated areas for that because uh, we do have to leave some room for the sponsors and for the alcohol cars to be on asphalt. So there will be there will be some restricted areas where to park, where not to park um, for that. And then he is another double weekend, Saturday, August twenty fifth, and. Uh, 26, which I believe is on top of the Bowling Green Division Three race back at, uh, but it is also at ACO. And then he goes uh, Saturday, October 20th at ACO, which is his uh, season finale. And then, of course, he has his English Town Fall Classic race, which is a non-points race at uh, English Town, which is Sunday, October 28th, for any of you guys that are writing this all down. Um, going through class race right here just to see what or some some things uh, some things going on here. Uh, see if anybody else has announced uh, any schedules. Uh, I believe the All Star Racing Association put their schedule together. Um, they are uh, between Lebanon Valley and New England. Um, their first race is May nineteenth at Lebanon Valley. Uh, race number two and three are June 23rd and 24th at Lebanon Valley. Uh, race number four and five are the July 21st and 22nd at New England. And then they close out the season. Or let's say they have a shootout on Saturday, September 22nd at New England. And race number six is Sunday, September 23rd at New England. So that is their schedule for this year. Um Just going down through here real quick just to see if there's any <clears throat> anything. Um, I know there is a new um, association that uh, has popped up, the Atlantic, uh, I believe it's the Atlantic Canadian Stock Super Stock Association. Uh, this is mostly up near the uh, areas where the NHRA National Open um, races. This is more, more I guess, like uh, Nova Scotia area. Um, I believe they have been around, but this is the first time I've actually seen them have a schedule posted up on uh, Class Racer. So they're J- June 9th at Miramachi, July 20th at Miramachi, July 21st at Miramachi, August 12th at Greenfield, Nova Scotia, 22nd and 23rd at Greenfield, Nova Scotia. 
Um, so they, uh, it's quite a ride to get on up there if you want to go race with them. But, uh, hey, you know, if you're in that area and you want to go, uh, go race with them, uh, more power to you. But uh, there is a brand-new Dot .90 association that is starting up in Michigan, Ohio area. So, Mike, this could be a, a good uh, ploy for you to maybe try to jump on with him and uh, get some uh, get some play here, maybe to team up and have some have some of your races along with his races. So I've I've actually been helping him out a little bit, helping him uh, guide him. Uh, his name is Mike Sager. Uh, he's from Michigan, but I've been trying to give him some pointers. But um, his races, he's got four double weekends. Uh, it's a it's a Super Gas series. Uh, so he has July 9th and 10th at Milan Dragway, Michigan, July 16th and 17th at National Trail Raceway in Columbus, Ohio, uh, July 21st and 22nd at Mid-Michigan Motorplex, and September 29th and 30th at Dragway 42 in Ohio. So he's got two races, uh, two race weekends in Ohio, Mike, so there's there's your possible chance. Maybe you can double up kind of like we do with Dave Lee's Stock Super Stock Association, have like a, you know, have a little bit of a, uh, combo type events. Yeah, and I know a lot of racers around. And I'm sure you do as well. That have a um, maybe a super comp, super gas car, and a stalker super stock car. That's why I remember a couple of years ago, 2009, I guess it was. We did a race at New Media. I think it was on the Sunday when you guys were there. Figured if somebody had one of each they could come run both and we were blamed out unfortunately and but it's you know a lot of people were growing in the you know two cars you know you're allowed two cars to race two different cars so yeah something like that definitely is something i could um look into for this year yeah yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, they got, he's got two races that he's got one at National Trails and one at Dragway 42, and I know you previously mentioned Dragway 42, so you know, be cool to cool to get your hands and try to get something together, and you know, see what uh, see what you know, see what you can do, and you know, and, and be able to at least maybe even bounce himself off of him to help him out. I mean, you know, like I said, he uh, he uh, he personally called me after. It was probably right before Thanksgiving, and we talked for about two hours or so. He's an old uh, super rod or super rod, super gas racer, and uh, unfortunately he had to retire uh, due to a, a car accident. But, uh, you know, he sees the popularity of how these associations are going, and he wants to uh, he, he wants to get something going. So uh, he, uh, he did the dirty work and contacted, uh, you know, contacted these uh these race these uh series or these tracks or it was and they're, they're counting five out of eight races so uh you're gonna have three mulligans so and then uh and of course the the something that's a little close to my heart the mid atlantic dot 90 association's uh 2018 schedule um of course we released this a, a few way before actually right around the first of december but uh, April 29th or 28th and 29th at ACO Dragway, which is the weekend before the PC Richards Open event at ACO. So you'll be able to leave your stuff at ACO, as I said, in designated areas. Uh, May 19th and 20th at Maple Grove Dragway. This is also the weekend before the Lucas Oil event at Maple Grove. Uh, July 20th and 29th 
with Dave Lee's Stock Super Stock Association. That'll be at ACO. Uh, that's the weekend before the Lucas Oil race. And then we go August uh, 11th and 12th at Cecil County. Uh, that is the weekend before the Lucas Oil race at Cecil, but <coughs> sorry, uh, fortunately cannot leave our stuff at the track there. Um, kind of looking at some different options, as I, as I said, and to uh, uh, look in ways to possibly keep stuff there for you guys that might be coming from up north. Um, but uh, I'm not really too sure yet. It's kind of save you on some tolls. But then we close out the season September 22nd and 23rd back at Cecil. So, um, you know, taking memberships as we we got, I probably got about 15 members already signed up for uh, next year. Um, you know, uh, Roadrunner Race Fuels, VP Race Fuels back on as a primary sponsors. And we also welcome direct cabinet sales uh, as a primary sponsor also. So uh, basically what that means for the racers this year, if you're a member, you sign up for points. Uh you know, for 2018 and you win a race, it's a guaranteed $1,000 to the winner. So uh, basically for $110 entry fee, it's $8 paid to me and 30 to the track. And you know what? You sign up for points, the 75 one-time fee, you get $1,000 to win the race, all thanks to VP and direct cabinet sales. Uh, and then we also signed on with the contingency connection for 2018 uh and I know Autometer, Mazir, CompCams, uh, JKR are all back on board for contingency also. So uh, we have a we have a pretty good uh, pretty good contingent of uh, of stuff coming out to the racers, and, and we have some we have some bonus programs also. Uh, Ken Moses Race Transmissions is uh, doing a bonus program for uh, 25 hours per race for the best losing package for each race. Um, along with the cash, Ken and Deb will provide gift certificates to the Super Comp winner and runner-up of the events towards work done on Ken's transmission shop and plaques uh, for the class, um, three class winners for the best losing package, best winning package. Joe Eckel, uh is doing the best winning package for Super Gas. Um, basically what that means is each event uh, will get 50 bucks, and if you beat 2017 champion George Smith, you get an additional hundred dollars from Joe. So uh you go out there, you beat the champ. Um could be a cool hundred and fifty bucks in your pocket. Um and then Super Street Super Street, the popular podcast, Wheels Up Radio. You may have heard of it. I'm not too sure. It's throwing twenty five bucks up for the best losing package in every race in two thousand eighteen. So um thanks to Chris and Tanya for uh coming on board and being a sponsor this year and Throwing 25 bucks up to the best limited package at every race uh, in 2018 for the Super Street guys. So, um, that said, you know, the guys who got left kind of out in the cold with IHRA with their uh, announcement to get rid of the sports and racing, uh, you know, maybe, you know, people are mad about the quotas going on with the NHRA uh, and, and can't get into some of these races. You know, there's plenty and plenty and plenty of local association races that offer, you know, a pretty good bang for your buck. So I would go on classracer.com and check out any of them. If there's something out there that tickles your fancy and it's in your area and maybe it's a weekend off from maybe just regular racing or, you know what, you're thinking about going out to, I don't know, Dallas or something like that for a race and 
You would rather just figure that Akko is only 200 miles away rather than the long trip to Texas and you want to go to Akko? Come on and, and hang out with us for the weekend. So, but uh, like I said, go on classracer.com and uh, check out all the all the stuff going on with the associations. Uh, like I said, they're growing more and more and more, going, growing all over the place right now. So, you know, I think kind of it's between the big-time bracket racing and the um, association races, I think, are, are some of the uh, – some of the things you're going to see in the near future. So, and uh, anybody from the West Coast that uh, does anything, the SoCal Pro Gas Association is having a warm up February 3rd to the 4th in Fontana, California, uh, 2018. So, uh, kind of association that's a little close to my heart because the fact is that uh, they helped me uh, bring a lot of programs to the Mid Atlantic Dot Nine Association through uh, Greg Ventura. So, uh, he, uh, he kind of gave me a little insight when I was taking over. So, but uh, the SoCal Pro Guest Association, I believe they have a Super Street Association and a Super Comp Association also. So they have a big warm up the weekend before the Winter Nationals, February third and fourth at Montana, California. So, how about you, Mike? Is there anything else we can really talk about? Or do you think everybody else is asleep? I was reading this just a little while ago. Uh, John DeBartolomeo. Um, a gentleman I'm sure you and I both know is he asked who has split in NHRA racing. It's pretty well known that in bracket racing it happens a lot, but if it's happened in NHRA race and a lot of you know this was no surprise. The NHRA people said no, I'm not doing it. But um, you know it happens probably. I'd say 80% of the time in my races. Um, does it happen in any of yours, Rob? Um, the question was splitting, I guess, right? Yeah, not a, maybe not a true split, but like a modification, I guess, of the payouts. Um, you know, we, we have had splits. Um, pretty much what I tell the racers is that if they have some kind of a split or they, they you know, take, for example, um, I believe it was uh, might have been two years ago, three years ago, uh, our Monday night host, Kelly Barbado, was in the finals against uh, good friend Rick Mattioli. And uh, unfortunately, the car count was kind of low. Um, we were guaranteeing $1,000. Uh, we had our, our sponsors came on board to do a guarantee $1,000 kind of in my mind really hoped that it was going to increase car count unfortunately something happened either we had it was a bad forecast and the forecast end up not being correct there's a shocker for you um but it really hurt the car count and i think we only maybe had 14 super street cars show up or something like that but you know i'm a man to my word if i said we're guaranteeing a thousand hours to win you're going to get a thousand hours to win uh, you know, it's not one of these, well, you know, we only have 14 cars. I can only pay you this. It's, you know, I, <laughs> if I had to go pick up aluminum cans out of the trash can and go bring them down to the plant or what, you're, you're, to get money, you're, you're, <laughs> you're getting a thousand dollars. Um, but anyway, I think Kelly was getting like a thousand dollars. And I think like, well, the final round was Kelly against Rick. I think the winner was getting like a thousand dollars and the runner up was getting like 
200 bucks or something like that or whatever it is. And I rolled up on the scooter, and, and I talked to Rick and Kelly, and I said, here's the deal. This is what you're getting, da 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 And they they decided, you know, okay, I'll do, you know, 800, 400, or 800, or 850, 350, or something was the was what the, what it was going to be or it wasn't. Kelly won, um, so she got like 850, and, and Rick got, you know, 350 or it was. But any time that they usually decide on a split, I – you know, they'll come over and tell me, oh, Rob, we decided on we're going to do a split for the final, and he's taking this and I'm taking that. And pretty much our response to them is, I will give you what the payout is, if it's a 1000 bucks or it's 1500 bucks or it was, and whatever you decided with your split with your other competitor, you decide you can you decide that on your own. So it's 1500 bucks. you decide we're doing, you know, 1300 and 700 or whatever it is, you take – the 200 bucks off and you go give it to him personally, you know, it, it just, you know, it just makes it easier on me and, and stuff, but you know, you will get some splits and, you know, you know, ever so often, just if they, if they know like the, you know, the runner up money really isn't that much. And sometimes I'll even go to them and ask them, you know, if they want to split just because, you know, I, I kind of feel bad almost that, you know, somebody's going home with you know, X amount of dollars and then the runner ups only going home with, you know, this little chunk of change and, you know, you busted your butt and ran your car for for five rounds or six rounds. And, and I know, you know, I know some people say, you know, we don't split. That's just not how racing is. But, yeah, you know, sometimes eh, you, you kind of have to – it's a touchy subject. Some people, you know, are totally against it, you know, and some people are all for it, you know, I, I guess some people look at it as if they can break even for the weekend and it's a, it's a positive thing for them, then they're all for it. If, you know, they, they feel like 1500 or, or three grand or, you know, 10 grand isn't enough to cover their expenses for the weekend, then they're going flat out. This is what I'm, this is what I'm taking and nobody else is getting anything else and sucks to be you if you run her up. I said, like in my races, I said probably eighty percent of the time they agree to a, you know, a work of the money. We had Hagerstown one year; it was twenty five hundred to win, thirteen hundred runner up. And they came to me before the final. They said, "Hey, we want to do like a sixty forty or so split." So I figured out the thing I have a calculator on my phone. I said, "Well, how about?" 2000 to win, 1800 runner up. They said, yeah, they both agreed that it sounded good to them. And so that's what we went with. And um, just to kind of obviously, I'm never going to say that my race, any one of my races, is, is as big as Indy. But our race paid 2000 to win, 1800 runner up. The winner of the U.S. Nationals only got 1800 So, mm-hmm. you know, that race, obviously Hagerstown is a lot bigger. I imagine Hagerstown to us is probably kind of like the pig roast is to you guys, mm-hmm. the biggest, the best, and stuff. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's probably 80% of the time. A couple times, you know, I told the finalists, I tell them in the lanes when they get paired up, I said, you know, what it pays we had a race one year at Hagerstown on the Saturday race, the $50 entry. 
it paid a thousand to win five hundred runner up, you know, usually it would be, you know, maybe nine and six or whatever, but three times we had a guy who was the same guy said he didn't want to do a split. He wanted to just run for it, and he lost all three times. So, you know, he cost him a bit of money. But I know, like you said, a lot of people, they're totally against it. A lot of people realize, well, you know, hell, whether I win or lose, I'm going home with a good chunk of change. So, yeah, let's work something. We both go home with good money, and we'll do that. So I guess... I imagine it's probably one of those things, if you talk to 10 racers, you probably get nine different opinions about what to do and when to do it and different stuff. So I guess it's one of those to eat your own kind of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, some people some people are all for it. Some people, you know, I mean, there's been times where people are all for it. They do it. They end up winning the race, and of course, maybe you know they don't get the same amount of money that they were going to get when if they won. Like say, if, you know, it was twelve hundred bucks to win, and they decide on, you know, we're going to do a thousand dollars, six hundred or something like that for a for the thing. Well, then of course they win, and they're kicking themselves, going, "Oh man, I could have had twelve hundred dollars instead. I only got a thousand now." You know, it's it's you know sometimes they're they're kicking their their themselves for that but then you know sometimes if you're the runner-up and you know it was only like 300 bucks to win as a runner-up you know and you're you're going home with 600 now you know it's 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 a win-win for that person um you know they're basically doubling what they would have got for a runner-up but you know like i said it's it's a it's a touchy subject uh i i know there's a, a question out there right now on uh circulating on Facebook is that would you have would you rather have a Wally or have a big check uh to your thing? So basically, you know, would you rather go to an anti race and get a Wally and, you know, maybe win the fifteen hundred bucks or eighteen hundred dollars or would you go want to go to a somewhat decent sized bracket race and win the big check that you could put on your trailer to show everybody, hey, I won five grand, I won ten grand, whatever. Because, like you just said with the split thing, we all know when you start getting down to about sixteen cars, eight cars left in a bracket race, you know your check may say ten grand on there, but you're probably going home with like maybe six grand, five grand, seven grand, because it starts splitting in seventeen different directions. Because, you know, they're trying to you know pad everybody, you know, from eight cars or sixteen cars on. And uh, so there was a there was a question today posted on Facebook. I can't believe who it was, who it was, but you know, would you rather would you rather have a Wally or would you rather have um, a big check? And, and some of the responses were, you know, I already got the Wally, you know, so I'm going after the big check now, or you know, never raced class racing, so the Wally means nothing to me. I want the money and the big check. Um, you know, some people were. I'm all about the all about the Wally and and could care less about, you know, the big check and the money that comes with it. So Well, like me, I personally I have three Wallies and I want so yeah, I would prefer I guess if I wanna add to my resume in a way, I want the happy Gilmore check as I call them, you know, the one of the big you know, just 
for the heck of it to say, you know, hang it on your wall and say, yeah, you know, I did that one time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the big checks are pretty cool, you know, but I also think they need to have a meaning to it, like a, a good amount on those. I mean, you know, we did the Happy Gilmore checks for the top eight shootout this year. They had $1,000 put on a, on a thing, which – was you know was a significant amount was to put up on a on a check or was you know my guy who does my vinyl and and art and all that stuff or was he printed up some extra checks to give out at the pig roast I mean they weren't great they weren't enough to guarantee like a thousand dollars to be paid out you know so it was a little embarrassing putting you know seven hundred and seventy five dollars or something on the on a check and you know it, it, to me I rather make it like a thousand you know you don't do Cappy Gilmore checks unless it's going to be a thousand dollars or more you know not you know I think there was a guy that actually posted a picture of him and I think Toronto <coughs> uh and Cayuga and he had he, he won the race or something and the check was 75 bucks you know and he's sitting there with his you know happy as could be with his 75 hours and, and the guy may be happy as a pig and you know you know what it was but you know I, I kind of feel embarrassed sometimes when, you know, you can only write, you know, 500 bucks or, you know, $750 on a check. I just feel like it needs to be like $1,000 or more. Yeah, I could kind of see that. And, we you know, we never had anything like that. I don't even know where you'd go to get them. I'm sure my racing friend, somebody could point me in the right direction, but, yeah, I kind of see that. If you're good, well, like Hagerstown, where you have a guaranteed every year, well, for seven years now, eight, um, <laughs> 2,000 to win, that's that's probably an amount worthy of being written on a check. But, you know, we've had a race at the Saturday race at Hagerstown. There was only, I think, 21 cars, and it only paid 550 to win on the $50 entry, which is, yeah, it's eleven times your investment, but you know, five hundred and fifty that seems almost in a way kinda like embarrassing in a way to write on a check. But I guess if the yeah. racer loves it and he don't really care, I mean, that money's going in his pocket at the end of the day so because we pay out cash to all the racers at all of our races, so I don't think we're gonna be too upset. <laughs> nope. So we got a uh, few minutes left here with tonight's episode, uh, Wheels Up Radio Live. Um, like I said, unfortunately, uh, both our guests uh, could not come on tonight. Joey Matas is uh, rescheduled for, I believe, somewhere in July. And uh, we will reschedule uh, Steve Rhodes from Division One, talking about uh, safety, uh, NHRA, um, uh, the safety safari, and just about um, – there was a there was a little bit of an article on P, uh, the performance racing industry's uh, website about um, what happens if there's a catastrophic event at a racetrack. Um, is everybody properly uh, ready for for that? Are there are they able to get to the car in time to help that driver out? Um, so Steve's going to talk a little bit about that when uh, we reschedule him to come on. Uh, not too sure what Chris has up his sleeve for next weekend, but I believe I'm back on next weekend with uh, the sheriff himself, Bob Bender, uh, and I believe Chris will be back on. So, once again, uh, thank you to Remflex 
Exhaust Gaskets, who are our our new Wednesday night sponsor. I forgot to uh, thank them in the beginning. So thank you to Renflex Exhaust Gaskets. They are the proud new uh, title right sponsor of Wheels Up Radio Live on Wednesday night. And uh, thank you to Mike for coming on and entertaining everybody for two hours. Uh, if you are in Hershey this weekend for the NHRA Division One Banquet, uh, please stop by. Come see me. Uh, you can't miss Kelly Barbado, so uh, I will be probably hanging around somewhere in that vicinity, in that area. Um, so come over and say hi, uh, you know, and such things. But uh, so uh, we will see everybody in Hershey this weekend. We'll have results from Hershey uh, next Wednesday night show as who won what any special awards. And, uh, on that note, uh, once again, rest in peace, Joe Sway. Uh, we'll miss you buddy. And thanks for making, uh, cracker racing the way it is on the East coast here in, uh, division one. So rest in peace, Joe. Bum, 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 bum. Uh-huh.